0: That's the best part, you know, just being able to, to go through life, doing different things, and and uh, making the most out of them. I think the the process is more important than the goal.
1: Hey there, I'm Jeffrey, and welcome to the Uncharted Path a podcast where we meander through the twists and turns of life in each episode, one crossroad at a time. Andres, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good too. So I'm quite curious because I, uh, we did actually meet in Bangalore, India a couple of years ago, and I remember we met... We actually exchanged conversations in the staff canteen and we decided to go out for drinks in this fantastic bar in Bangalore called Sly Granny. Do you remember that?
0: I do remember because uh, I was trying to, uh, to go back to that uh, point in time and I thought we would have either met in uh, the Fika area, which is uh, a Swedish word. Uh, I can't translate it literally, but it, it's like a kind of pause that uh, the Swedish people do. Uh, like when they're at work or at home, like for coffee and so on. And we would either have met over there or at the staff canteen, the place we called meet and eat. Yeah. And then we went for, for drinks uh, with Laurent.
1: That I definitely remember. I mean, that's a fantastic bar. I would love to go back to that place again. It's one of, I think it's one of the few hidden gems in Bangalore. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Bangalore for... You know, it's a place, I think it used to
0: uh, to be the place where uh, people uh, used to come after they retired. Uh, and I think it used to be known as the, the Garden City of India or something like that. But now nowadays, there's uh, lots of techies and uh, young people and it's a bit up and coming. So there's lots of like restaurants and bars and stuff. And that's one of yeah my favorites also. But obviously, I haven't been out to go to quite some time. Yeah, yeah, I, li- I like that one. It's a, it's a cool vibe and then there's a the rooftop and I just love the, the way the, the people are dressed.
1: Yeah, it does have a certain vibe. Um, very, in a certain way, very vintage, you know, 1920s, 1930s. Uh, it's really, yeah, it's, it's a nice place. I definitely will go back there if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm ever back in Bangalore. So I'm very curious if you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. So starting from, <laughs> it could take a while. <laughs> Go ahead. Where, where? Maybe, maybe you know, where, where you were born, where you come from. So basically, uh, I come from Spain.
0: I was born in Madrid. Um, I was raised in uh, uh, a family where, well, my dad's from Spain and my mum's British. So. Uh, She came to to Spain uh, on holidays with a friend and then she met my my father, Uh, love story uh, in Spain, uh, you know, to cut it short. And then so I grew up in this uh, family and I was absorbing like part of like Spanish culture and British culture. So basically by profession, uh, currently I'm an interior designer, but I started off. Uh, as a lawyer so I, I studied my law degree in, in Spain and then I did that uh, mm, a master's degree in, in London in the London School of Economics and then fortunately for me uh, I was hired uh, way before I finished my, my master's and then uh, I was in um, a law firm for a couple of years And after that, I decided I I wanted to pursue a career in design. So I decided to enroll
1: in design school in Spain. So one of the things I wanted to ask is, how do you go around with your Spanish and English identity? That's a very good question.
0: Uh, I don't know. I
1: think it's just like inbuilt in me. So
0: I don't realize. Uh, I think it's a bit of a pick and choose. (laughs) Like whenever I want to like stress my... British personality, I think it just comes out. And, uh, and then whenever I feel more proudly Spaniard, then that comes out also. So it's not like I turn it on and off, but I think it just comes out naturally. I think uh, there's versions, there's Spanish and English versions of me.
1: How, how do you think that has shaped your worldview? wow these are really deep questions uh i think
0: it has shaped me in uh in a in a way that uh i i mean coming from from a family with uh parents of different nationalities i was exposed to pretty much from a young age uh to different cultures and uh to different languages and we traveled a fair share so I think that helped broaden my mind a bit.
1: So you mentioned that you work as an interior designer. And what does it mean to be an interior designer? What does it mean to be an interior designer or to be an interior designer at IKEA? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, Maybe both. Well, being an interior
0: designer at IKEA, that's maybe the uh, easiest question. I work for a department called Expansion and then... Uh, within the company there, there's also a, a part called uh, communication and interior design. So uh, we're all designers, but we we all have like different duties or we're in charge of do, designing different things. So there's more of, the, there's a, a part of uh, this department that is more into um, like shop window and visual merchandising. And then there's uh, my side, which is more into designing so in, in the IKEA stores, we have uh, what we call the showroom, which is normally on the top floor. And that's where you'll find the, uh, where we'll showcase all the furnitures and all the the room settings and, and the, the homes. Um, and well, that's part of my job. So designing the, the showroom at IKEA. This is the this is the, the base the basics of our job. But since we work in expansion, so we do
1: this for every new store. I have a friend who says, you know, well, Jeff, what do you do at Ikea? Just selling furniture. And I I I tend to get quite irritated at that because I think it's so much more than the selling, right? And I think that's that's so much which comes into the design and thinking about how to actually um put something to inspire people to purchase a particular item. I think it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of market psychology, which you do there. I think there's uh, there's a
0: middle ground. I mean, on one hand, there's the people which normally tend to label things and, and what people do. And and I guess uh, people need to like oversimplify to understand. Like I do that too often when I meet some friends and they tell me they work as uh, chemical engineers in these plants and they do this and that. And most of the time I don't understand what they do. So I need like in my head, I need to conceptualize what they do and, and to come up with like an easy <laughs> solution or easy or label, you know, but yeah, I mean, that's very simplistic to say that we sell only furniture. At the end of the day, it is true. We're selling furniture and uh, home furnishing accessories, but there's a lot of uh, work uh, behind the scenes and, and anyone who has, uh, stepped into an Ikea store will have had some sort of, uh, experience. And that's what we we strive for, you know, to create a very interesting, uh, customer experience. And like, to me, when, when I studied design, uh, I think it, in the back of my mind, um, uh, working for Ikea was always like a goal. Like every time I visited the Ikea store, I just loved, the way everything was set up and, you know, the parkour and going around the store and having to stop in the restaurant for a bite and, uh, then going to the market hall and, uh, with your, uh, trolley and maybe picking up a few items and, and then taking them home. So, and, and just, you know, the smell of the, the candles. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very uh,
1: silly thing, but I just, and I think a lot of people love it, you know. So you also mentioned you weren't always an interior designer at IKEA, and you've already told our listeners what you did before. So first question would be, what motivated you to study law in the first place? When I had to choose what to study at the age of uh, 17,
0: 18, um, I think it's a time when, unless you have a really clear vocation, People normally don't really know what life is about and what you have to do and uh, what paths to, to choose. So I was very much interesting, interested in, in a lot of things. And that day I had to uh, like fill in the application form. We had like uh, 15 blank spaces and we could choose all sort of different things. I chose subjects uh, that went from, you know, uh, Law, economics, um, history of art, uh, what else, mass uh, media studies, and all sorts of different things. Um, I think that throughout school, my favorite subject was uh, history of art, but I I didn't really know if I studied history of art, what I could do with that. And then you also have the added pressure of uh, wanting to live up to your parents expectations so I sort of chose a middle ground and, and thought okay I'll just study this because I think I can be good at it and then it can be uh, a degree that will help me mm, land uh, a job that could can... in, in Spain being or studying law doesn't mean you have to always be a lawyer it can be um a way into the very different fields and and I didn't really know what to do, so that's why I chose uh, law. But I I have to say, uh, when I was studying law, I thought I found it very very interesting. It's not like, okay, I randomly
1: chose this, and and it was a boring thing to to study. And um, what were you doing in law after you studied? Did you practice? I did. I, I practiced. So when I finished my degree, um, I went to England
0: for a year, and. Uh, I There was a point, I think it was during my fourth year, that I discovered a, a subject called corporate law. And before that, uh, since uh, I was kind of well traveled and I spoke different languages, I always thought I'd finish working maybe in some European Union institution or working in international law. But then I discovered corporate law and I found that quite interesting. So I, I decided to go to England and study a master's degree in, in corporate law uh, so after that uh, as I mentioned before I landed a job in an American um, an American law firm in Spain called Baker and Mackenzie and I worked as corporate lawyer for a couple of years uh, I, I wasn't a litigator so most of my work was uh, at the office and like uh, analyzing Uh, all sorts of legal documents, drawing up contracts and um, uh, also engaged in a lot of uh, mergers and acquisitions um, uh, operations. Basically, that's what I did there.
1: Mm, Okay. And what motivated you to change or explore a different career? So that was my my first
0: proper job, uh, being a lawyer. And... I think it was very interesting at first, uh, more because of the theatrics of being a lawyer and you were surrounded, uh, by these high powered people, Mm. (laughs) like the top lawyers in in the country and so on. So it it was nice to to be there and and go through that experience, but I think I wasn't cut out for that. you had to work like really long hours, Um, like you were always judged on how many billable hours you had clocked in and stuff like that. And then you needed also to have this uh, personality, uh, this powerful personality, I guess, that you were uh, going to become like the the top lawyer and also maybe one day one of the partners in, in the firm. And that meant, you know, just, sleepless nights and working a lot and fucking up to, <laughs> to the partners in the firm and so on uh, i was lucky because i i had a, a partner so normal i was i normally you start at entry level and um and you are, are allocated to to a partner and like that means that the each partner will have a team and then there might be people in between but that, when i started it was just me and, and my partner like in other teams there might have been a um, mid-level associate or a senior associate of or, or some kind. And I was lucky because my uh, my partner was very much like me. Mm, I think he uh, valued a lot uh, his family and the time he spent outside and wanted to have a work-life balance. So I was like, lucky in that sense. But at the end of the day, you still need needed to clock those hours. Mm-hmm. And- some point I just found that you know my heart wasn't into it I w- would never work as many hours as everybody else and I was like very stressed uh I even saw um one of the partners uh, having a stroke uh, oh at wow some point. yeah so I just realized I I wanted to be happy it's very simple but uh like I think we all go or a lot of us go through through these things and I had a, a calling and I just wanted to I didn't want to spend my the rest of my life there. And so I just decided to quit and to pursue my real passion. My real passion, as I said before, was related more to the to the arts. So my favorite subject subject at school was history of art. And um more specifically, history of architecture. So I had always had a keen interest, interest on architecture, and uh, when I quit the the law firm, I had already, you know, finished a law degree, my master's, uh, two years of uh, working in a law firm. I think I was around 28 or 29 at that time. So I thought maybe uh, studying architecture now is a bit late for me. So uh, I decided to study interior design, which is, like, equally pleasing, very, very uh, fun to to do. And, and that's how I ended up in design. And um, so basically, I was, like, escaping from uh, that life I had at uh, the law firm, that grey life. I always describe it as uh, grey life. And uh, and I wanted to pursue more of my
1: like creative side and, and be a bit more free. Yeah, it feels it feels really good to hear you say that. I think because I mean, the for some people, you know, status and money are very appealing, and for some people, it's not as appealing. Uh, perhaps because of the cost, right? I mean, there is a cost to that, um, and and it's uh, the, the hours you put in and the work life balance. I think a lot of people in a certain point in your life, go through this decision?
0: Yeah. No, I think, yes, like status and, and money. I mean, I understand those goals, but I didn't come from from um, a family where those things were, were important. Like it was uh, a middle-class uh, working family. And I think my parents uh, sort of taught me different values. So I I never had, you know, that, that I, I needed to be super successful and earn a lot of money and you know those those kinds of, of things and and I also saw in, in while I was working in the the law firm that all the once you achieve that status of um, becoming a partner uh, then you had to to maintain that status and uh, I think that was a like very stressful uh, thing in a way I think or the, to me, they didn't seem like fully happy because they were working uh, long hours and they had uh, been doing that probably for for many many years and and that's that was going to be their, their life for the maybe next ten fifteen or twenty years. So I I didn't want to like end up in their shoes uh, and I decided to to go for for my passion. And I think when you try to go for your your passion I think everything else becomes secondary and you um focus more on the process of doing that uh, that work and at the end of the day I've discovered with the years that um no job is perfect anyway with with experience your your needs change a little bit and uh, you just want to you you always I think I always like tend to to look for this work-life balance. And even though I love my job, uh, I don't want to, to work uh, somewhere where I have to, where I'm always like working. I, I don't have time for anything else. Also as, as a creative person, I think we all need to, uh, <laughs> to find uh, sources of inspiration. And that comes through traveling, reading, uh,
1: watching films, uh, or whatever it is you, you like to do. Going from law, to interior design you know it's a big change right it's 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 i i i can't even describe it because i've never experienced something like this i think it's
0: the real beauty of um, working in a company like ikea and also meeting uh, designers who come from different fields like normally uh prior to my experience at ikea i i had a, a period where I, I was working in architectural and design firms most of the people that i encountered came from the same field they were either architects or um, uh, interior designers or graphic designers when you work at ikea you'll also find these people but you'll find people that come from different backgrounds yeah i think that's the beauty of it like i work closely with my boss and she uh, i think she also studied like photography and stage design or something and and you can really see it in in her her work that she, like she's very theatrical and uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. Like, but it, it's like like we all have a different vision of design and I think there's no perfect design. But we all bring like uh, whatever uh, experience you know our our baggage and, and our own views and uh, and inspiration. So I think that's really really nice. And then it's very enriching you know for other designers because. learn so much from
1: from others. So what advice would you have for people, other people at the crossroads?
0: Uh, That's a tough one. Uh, I don't uh, like giving people advice because everybody's different. I used to have a or I I still have um, a friend, a very close friend of mine in in Spain and she uh, was always like interested in in fashion and uh, design Uh, but because of her her parents she ended up uh studying law and then she became a civil servant and uh, like a state lawyer and and i was always like trying to push push her to to pursue her a passion of fashion design or whatever she wanted to do and um at, at one point she told me just back off i'm never going to do this so she had other priorities in life so I don't like giving people advice. I think everybody needs to, to find their, their own calling. Uh, but yeah, I think we only live once. And uh, if you want to, to make it a, a bit interesting, then uh, you should try, or in, in my in my case, if you're a bit like me, you should like try to uh, if, if you don't have that uh vocation from the start that you want to become a doctor or whatever it is then i think it's interesting just to try out different things and and then find whatever you're most uh suited for but um it's not always like a bed of roses it's not always easy i think i've had my fair share of luck as well and uh uh, it doesn't mean that you're always going to be successful, and like I've been successful in that I uh, I ended up working in in a, a fabulous company like this one, but uh, yeah, it doesn't mean like that's the end of the road. I don't know whether I'm going to stay in uh, this company forever or whether I uh, want to pursue other things in in the future. I think your your story uh, isn't uh, written, and then. it it ends somewhere like there are other different things that I like to do and and who knows uh, what's up for me so all those people but then like try to to be brave if if you're stuck somewhere and you're doing something and your heart isn't into it then uh yeah I think it's really going to be really complicated to be the best at your job if if you don't like what you're doing but I don't want to send across either this message that life is easy and then just go and follow your dreams sometimes your dreams don't uh come true um but just try and get the most of your experience and whatever you uh you, you take up in in life i think uh that's the best part you know just being able to to go through life doing different things and and uh making the most out of them. I think the, the process is more important than the
1: goal. I was, I, I was going to ask you a couple of things about design. So, I mean, you know, you, you talked about that, uh, you know, you, you did study interior design. You, one of your favorite subjects in school was history of art and very, very interested in architecture. And, you know, I see that on your Instagram feed as well. So who and what inspires you? A lot of
0: people inspire me uh, a lot of things inspire me. Yeah. You've mentioned my Instagram feed. I am really drawn to, to simplicity in design and um, carefully selected materials and just the beauty of certain materials. So I'm like very uh, interested in uh, Scandinavian and Nordic design. Obviously, I work for this company.
1: So I was going to ask, you know, I've been to your apartment once and I really liked your sense of style. So take me and our listeners to this process of designing your home okay so designing my home in india was a
0: bit of a challenge because uh firstly when i came when i first came to india they offered me the possibility of bringing my own furniture from europe but i was at that time i was living with my parents so i didn't really have any furniture uh so basically i had to run i had been here on a look and see trip and i had seen what there was and uh what the furniture retailers were like so i thought i i'd better you know get my basics covered (laughs) just in case because i won't find a lot of things that that i want or need. so i came here basically with a sofa a bed bedside tables a dining table and some or furniture, you know, for the, for the balcony, you know, the, just the basics. And then the way I like to design, so this is not my permanent space. Uh, it's just a rented space. So normally here you're doing a lot of like decorating or, or curating pieces rather than designing the space. Like if it was, if it was my own, then I would like to have a say in like the distribution of the spaces or. Uh, the materials, or the paint, or whatnot. So since it was a built space, and when I was looking for a, for a place, I valued things such as location, the so surroundings, how much time it would take me to work or into town. But yeah, it was. It's been more. It's been a lengthy process because I don't like just to get everything ready in five minutes. I like to to choose my my pieces carefully. And, and it's taken me a bit of time and I'm still working on it, but uh, yeah, like the, the base is very clean. I don't have a lot of things lying around. Uh, so all those things I mentioned before, such as simplicity and uh, mm-hmm. lighter woods, maybe white uh, colors. And also I, I don't like to drill holes on the walls, So I try to, all the artwork that I have posters I try to keep on top of uh, either the sideboard or um, six months ago I these cabinets that I keep on the on the floor. It's a slow process, but I like to buy things that are kind of uh, interesting to me uh, that have a maybe a story or come from a certain designer or that I've made. Uh, but but things that are maybe timeless and that I would like to to keep. Uh, over time, rather than just buy everything in one go and then not liking what I have or uh, maybe thinking that okay, I need to change this because uh, that was a very rash, rash decision and I don't really like this or it doesn't serve its purpose. I think it's better to to keep adding to your space slowly and really think uh, about the space and, and the function.
1: I think that's such a great piece of advice because I I. I... I know of people who make these really fast decisions, you know, and they they want to create a space, and it's. Uh, but I, I I I I hear what you say because I myself enjoy this process as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, it's obviously, and it's it's also uh my professions. Yes. <laughs> It helps you reflect, and it helps you also like find the right things. And like living in India is not easy. Like mine right here, if you live in uh, Sweden or England or, or Spain or or in Singapore maybe, uh, we're uh, overloaded, you know, with brands and shopping spaces, and we have everything we need. But here, it's so easy to find the things you you want. You have to do things uh, the way things are done here. Or find the, the right craftsman who will do the the things that you really want to have. And I, and I really enjoy that. You know, I really enjoy like working with with other designers, with craftsmen, with uh, carpenters and, and just do things a little bit differently. And then, you know, you'll always
1: have your basics. We'll have to, you'll have to buy from other retailers. Mm-hmm. That's nice. I think that's also reflected in your space. So that's, uh, yeah, cool. So I have one last question and that is uh for our listeners who want to find out more about taste style aesthetic you know some of the things you've talked about um what can they do where can they go um I think nowadays mm, social media is uh,
0: like a very, very easy source of inspiration of course you need to to find the right people but maybe you can find but you can use a, the tag tool and then uh, just write whatever inspires you and find uh, certain pages. And then from there, that'll give you some suggestions. Uh, then there's a, there's a bunch, there's lots of websites uh, specialized in, in design. Um, there's Dizine, uh there's, um, I can't remember the, all the names right now. Design Boom is another one. Then you have uh, El Decor in mostly every country. You have Architectural Digest. So those are some of the, the sources of inspiration. Then it, it really depends on what you're interested in. We have a, a really good magazine in Spain. Uh, it does publishes these um, volumes uh, and each of them are devoted to a different architect. It's called El Croquis. So one is really is really good. And then you have kinfolk magazine. Uh, you have another one called Serial, which is very interesting. Um, yeah. I don't know if I've left anything out, but it's just a question of being a bit curious about stuff and do a little bit of a mind mapping and, and then try and find whatever suits you.
1: Right, right. Well, thank you so much. Um, that's all the questions I have for you um and yeah i just want to say thank you for taking the time thank you uh jeffrey thanks for having me on your uh, series of of
0: podcasts Uh, it's a real honor and uh yeah it's been really nice and a pleasure to uh to talk to you to catch up with you